So we've got uh, an opportunity for a bit of sharing and testimony before we get into a bit of word. So who's got a testimony of what Jesus has done in their life recently? And we need to keep it short so we can get other people to share. Otherwise, I'll have to get my bell out that Trish gave me. Sorry, Trish, I just dobbed you in. Um, The Wednesday before last, I took Gav's mum in for a cataract operation. And normally, you only have to go back the next day. I haven't normally been the one to take Irene out. She's got a wheelie walker. I don't have a lot of patience for those who don't know me that well. Those that do know that I don't. (laughs) Um, So God's been testing me. So I said, oh, can someone else take a Friday? No one else was available. Gav was at work. So Friday she had her appointment, the pressure's still up. When you have a cataract operation, she ended up with a blood clot. So the protein, as the eye was releasing this blood clot, was causing the eye to block. So, okay, we went back on Monday. I think the pressure was 35. It should be 9. We went back on Tuesday. Okay, it was down to 29. He was happy with that. It's under 30. We went back on Wednesday. It was back up to 35. Now, we had a couple other things going on while we were there, which I'm not going into, but it made it more than difficult that I've had experience with before. So I had to duck into the hub and get something, and I saw Matt there. I said, Matt, can you come out and pray for Gav's mum, please? So he came out and he prayed with me, and we prayed for her, and that night I took communion. Um, in the meantime, Dr Jai had rung Gavin and I and said that he wasn't keen to go back in and do the surgery because it can cause a secondary blood clot in the eye. In the meantime, I get a message the next day telling me from Colleen that she has had the surgery, and I'm going, oh. So I got a bee in my bonnet and decided that she'd gone over the top of us. Gavin said, don't say a word until we hear from anyone else and hear from Colleen. And... Um, then the next morning, yesterday morning, there was two calls on my phone. I ignored them. I went, you don't leave a message. I'm not taking any notice. Toddled off into the shower. And um, so Gav came back from where he was. I said, did you get any phone calls while you are out? He said, yeah, Colleen just rang me to tell me that Dr Jai had rung and said that he was going to pick her up. He'd rung Irene and said, don't have breakfast. He had picked her up. He had taken her back for surgery. He hadn't done the surgery the first time. And he took her back to the home. Now the eye pressure is back down to nine, which is where it should sit for her because they told me that through the week was normal for her. So through prayer, through hopefully me taking communion, I said to Colleen, I'm hoping next month I've got a testimony for her that we will have a good report for her. So, yeah, it has been an interesting week. (laughs) Amen. Just keep, uh, yeah, you're good. keep praying for Brent. Uh, he's not here this morning, but keep praying for Brent. Uh, many, many people have been praying for him. You know, back in April his, or May, his cancer count was 15,000. Uh, it went to 3,700. It went to 370. And when I went and visited him on Friday to pray with him, his cancer count is 37. Thank you, Lord. So I don't know, you know, how they mark that, but 15,000 to 37 is a, is a big drop. 
his liver's now functioning properly and he is back at work full time uh, working. So keep praying for him because we want to see that completely come back to zero or whatever it's meant to be. But keep praying for him and give Jesus the glory. Amen. Um, yeah, so I've got a testimony. Hopefully I'll try and keep it short. Um, so uh, last year I moved out of a place that I'd been living for 16 years um, and moved into a new place and, um, you know, thought, oh, this is new beginnings, you know. Um, unfortunately, uh, at the start of last year, I also, um, I actually fell into temptation and was, you know, being distracted um, and, uh, yeah, halfway through the year, I ended up having to leave the place that I was, um, you know, that I had moved into because the owner wanted to sell the house. So I moved into another place um, and was there for about five months until I got another, um, you know, hey, sorry, you know, you can't be here any longer. So um, so I had to move out of there and I had nowhere because you got the rental crisis. And I'm like, you know, so I ended up moving into my mum and dad's place and um, my cousin had a place that she was renting, but um, she wasn't living in there. So she said, oh, well, we'll try and see if I can break the lease and, uh, and you can have the place. Um, so that took a few months. Uh, I was, you know, and, uh, you know, my cousin was, like, kind of flitting around. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, the owner said yes to renting to me. But after, you know, reconsidering, even though she had never met me, she decided to, um, that she would sell the house. So um, I had, because I had been given a yes, you're getting this place, I, when that happened, I just uh, dropped my, you know, I just was absolutely devastated and, uh, um, and I unfortunately suffered um, depression and, and anxiety. Um, I was on a weight loss, um, the diabetes um, drug that uh, suppresses your appetite to lose weight. Um, but I think that that didn't help with my anxiety and depression. And um, I unfortunately suffered uh, suicidal ideology um, at one point. And I also actually got really bad panic attacks. Um, uh, it was it was really bad. Um, when I stopped the weight loss drug, things were getting a little bit better, but I had gotten to a point where I was like, you know, I mean, I I'd felt so hurt and betrayed by God. I thought I thought you know, oh God, you did this, like you let this happen, you know. Um, and I said to I said to my mum, I'm like, I don't see the point of me getting involved because why do that if that's the result. <laughs> that you get. Um, so, um, you know, about last, it was actually last worship night um, that it was, it was during the day, actually, I was in worship and, uh, you know, because I'd, I'd been asking to, you know, work on my heart and uh, for God to work on my heart. And I was in worship and, and God had asked me, he said, I want you to go back to the start. I want you to read Genesis and I haven't been reading the Bible 
during this time, you know, because I just, you know, um, and I and so I was like, um, yeah, I, I'm not reading the Bible, God. Why are you asking me to read Genesis? Like, you know, and I, I mean, the Old Testament, wow. You know, but I, I, I gave in. I said, you know what? All right, God, yes, I, you know, you got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it with me. But with you, I will, I will read. I will start reading Genesis. Um, and I did. The very next day, I, the morning, I, um, I, read, I read Genesis. And, well, not the whole, but started to read Genesis. Um, and, uh, and I, um, you know, I'd, uh, I've, every day since then, I've, I have been reading the Bible. And I come every morning to God in worship and just, you know, bring myself to the Lord. And God gave me, because um, I'm actually now also journaling, which I had done before, but stopped and, you know, um, and, uh, and what God had, had given me was that, um, you know, as Matt has said the other week, it really is important of praise, worship, to be in the presence of the Lord. And what I also got was, um, was surrender, because, because when we finally surrender to the Lord, we we give absolute reliance on God. We we just everything all just is like, all right, God, you know. We just you 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 are the one that's doing it, you know. And so we we become absolute reliant on the Lord, and the Lord loves that, and that's what He calls for, and He works, He changes, and and I've been I've been you know transformed with that. I've been so much better, so much happier. You know, and I just, yeah, I thank the Lord. Um, and I, I just want to, I just want to also say that, um, that, um, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so thankful that we belong, we belong to Jesus Christ. You know, he paid the ultimate price that we belong to him and, and nothing can take us from Jesus Christ when we give our life to the, to the Lord, you know, because nothing, the devil cannot overcome Jesus and uh, and so I just want to say, you know, just yeah, give thanks and and just um, remember that you belong to the Lord, Amen. and nothing can ever take you from that. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a good reminder? Oh, Kay, Kay's got it. Surrender. What a power there is in surrender. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Carolee. It's awesome. Plan. God will have his plan, and you untie his hands and look out. <laughs> so I want to talk to you this morning about our prayer and healing center in Jinjin and this man, um, Chris, that we've been praying for. He came in with, he was um, in a bad way. He was really under treatment for cancer. He'd been going chemotherapy, and um, then they put him on other radiation treatment. And he was just getting worse and worse and worse. He couldn't, he couldn't eat anything at all because all his... Um, glands and things were all gone and he didn't have any saliva or, or anything so he fed himself through a tube straight into his belly and um, of this stuff and um, and so we prayed for him but he wasn't too sure about it because he said do we really have the right to ask God for things do we really have the right to ask for healing and I said yes we do we do 
And, um, and so we prayed for him, and, um, but he still didn't feel that God was going to answer that. And so time went on, and, he, and the treatment continued, and he just got worse and worse. And, um, and then he um, just recently, he ended up in hospital. And he was um, on, on like life support stuff. And, um, and they said, well, there was nothing more that they could do with him and, or for him, no more treatment they could give him. And they stopped all the cancer treatment and all of that stuff. They said there was nothing else they could do. And they put him into the palliative care ward and said that we will make you as comfortable as we can until you pass away. And that was what he had to look forward to. So me and David heard he was in hospital and off we went to go and see him. <laughs> and he was pretty down. He was pretty bad. And um, his daughter was there. We met her. She was lovely and very helpful. And, um, and I, we said to him, we said to him, are you ready to go home, Chris? And he said, no, not. I don't, I don't want to go home yet. I'm not, 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 not ready to die. And, um, and so we said, well, we'll pray for you then. So we prayed and said that, you know, God had heard Hezekiah's prayer and given him an extra 15 years. And I said, you know, so I feel that we were confident when we're asking you to extend his life and to heal him because it would be awful for him to just continue life in this state. He wants to be healed. And, um, and so that's we left it that day. And um, you know what? <laughs> um, I don't know how to, what to say from there on. You know, we, he rang us. Did he ring us, David, or did we go and see him? He rang us. He rang us and he said, um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good. He said, they've actually, um, they've taken me off the oxygen uh, and, and, and I just do it every now and again. Um, um, he said, if I'm talking a lot or anything, I find that I, I just need a little bit of a boost. And so he said, and, and the rest of it, well, um, the, the painkillers, they're, they're dropping the painkillers down and the morphine that, he's, that, that he's got through the drip. Until eventually they took the drip off him. And anyway, um, um, he told us that he was in the Bundaberg Hospital and he told us that, um, that um, oh, I'll have to tell you about his wife first. His wife came in to visit and she was sitting there talking to him and there was this long, low chair. She got a foot tangled in the blanket and she ended up breaking her ankle, quite a severe break. Ended up up the other end of the hospital. They couldn't visit each other or anything. And so there was she. <laughs> and, um, and so then he rang me and said, but you know what, I'm feeling so much better. I really am feeling better, he said. They've taken off the oxygen, they've taken off the drip, and, um, and they're talking about transferring us over to Jinjin where we know more people and we're closer to home. And, um, and so, um, so he said, you know that. And then he rang up yesterday or the day before and said, um, they're releasing both of us. Wow. We're being able to go home. He said, they told me at the hospital that I was two hours, two hours. I had two hours to live. And here I am. I said, what are you planning to do, Chris? He says, fishing. I said, oh, good on you. Oh, good on you. And he says, and I'm going to load up the boat in the caravan and me and Rose are going to go and visit all our family and have a look and go fishing. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Amen. Got it. All good. That's good testimony. More, Lord.
four. Woo. Um, yes, I have an amazing testimony about my sister-in-law, Helen. Uh, firstly, I want to thank everybody for praying for Helen. She went over to see her only child, well, she's a young adult now, um, overseas, and in day eight she got COVID and um, her heart stopped and um, they worked on her for 10 minutes and, um, and then um, they put her on life support. They didn't know she'd have brain damage. Um, it was moment by moment, um, you know, um, being on life support. And uh, her family couldn't visit her until day eight um, because they all have COVID. And, um, and it was a difficult time. We're all grieving. You know, we had such... And not only that, they had to take her to theatre and she lost her up... up and, um, she got compartment syndrome. And so they had to slit her arm and leg, her right leg and her left arm... And um, during the course of this time, um, her muscles were dying, her blood was clotting, and they gave her aspirin, they gave her, um, well, they had given her a, a quite a lot of an adrenaline, and that affected her body too with the heart stopping. And, um, and yeah, um, they had to um, take her to theatre and eventually amputate the left arm. And the right leg, every day, it was day by day to take the right leg. And so, um, but God brought me to a place of thanking him for every day, every moment of every day, she's still on life support. Thanking the Lord that um, her family <laughs> could eventually get to see her, day eight. Um, and... Um, yeah, so there was a lot of thanks uh, that was going up. Um, we're still praying and praying. The, the prayer team's been amazing, praying life into that right leg. And um, praise God, she's still, um, she was transferred from overseas um, two weeks ago to Brisbane Hospital. God's amazing. He's done amazing work that she's come through. She ended up on dialysis. Um, she ended up, you know, her muscles are all shut down. She, um, and then um, two, in these two weeks, um, they've, well, she's off the dialysis. Um, she's able to have normal body functions. She's able to now start talking. She's able to have most foods now. Um, she's been transferred to Bundaberg Base Hospital right now. Um, she doesn't believe in God, and um, but they're very thankful for the prayers that have gone up. And I said to her a couple of days ago, she was crying, and I said, do you want me to pray for you? And she said, yes. And so that's amazing uh, that she's come to this place, um, said that yes, she'll have prayer. Even though her hair's falling out and her nails are all erect from... Um, the, um, the adrenaline, but um, she's grateful for the prayers. She's grateful to be alive, and we know God is a God of miracles and wonders. Amen. And that she's just going to go from strength to strength. Her body function is uh, returning. Um, you know, um, the, our necessary parts um, are working. Um, and they tried to stand her up for a few minutes because she's been 12 weeks ago this happened. And so she hasn't been able to stand up. So she's been woozy 
but um, and they were able to save the right leg. She's had a skin graft to the right leg. So God is just amazing. What Amen. He spared a life, and um, yeah, He did a mighty, mighty work. Thanks, Carl. I think about that uh, that song, "Too Good to Not Believe," and the chorus says, "You're a wonder-working God." You're a wonder-working God for, for, from suicidal tendencies through to cancer, through to other, you know, illnesses, to other things. There's nothing that is too hard for our God. Amen? He is a wonder-working God. And I want to thank, well, we want to thank Him. Amen? Give Him thanks. Come on. But also want to thank, you know, Noreen and the other prayer team warriors that, that are always there. You never have to go through anything alone here. It is the religious spirit that makes you feel like you've got to go through it alone. It's that, it's that orphan thing. But no, 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 you don't. You've actually got people around you who, who will stand in the gap with you and pray. Amen? And do whatever else needs to happen as well. So, you know, God is a, he's a wonder-working God. Amen? Amen. Um, see this here? This belongs to the car. This is the car key. And um, the miracle about this car key is this. Last week I come home from work and my wife, I could see she was stressed out. And um, so I asked her, what is going on? And she said, we're in trouble. And I said, why is that? And she said, I've lost the car keys to the car. Now, three months before that, we lost the first one. So we, so we had two cars keys missing, and I knew we were in trouble. I said, well, I said, I'll pray. And she said, okay. So I prayed. And then I got up. The Lord showed me where the car keys was. Went there. There it was. You couldn't see it because it was on a black seat. And, and bang, it went straight there. But... We still had one more key. And I said to my wife, you know, I believe the other keys and the other that sit there. She goes over, you know, tested it, pulls up seat, there's the other key. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, man, I tell you, if you've had a hard week, if you trust God and you keep praying, you know, I, I, I remember a lady, she said to me uh, when I had... My wife and I were going through dramas. She said to me, you need to really, you know, be sorry for what you have done and really repent. And, you know, I just the reason why I say that is this. The Lord is showing me deep repentance and prayer is going to be the breakthrough to a massive revival. Amen. But we need Amen. to work together. Amen. We need to trust God. And, you know, that was a blessing to me when God showed me where those two keys were. Now, we don't serve a good God. We serve an amazing God. Amen. Woo! <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Isn't that true? Is, we've heard the power of surrender. We've heard the power of thanksgiving. And we've been reminded about the power of repentance and prayer. Amen. There's some good, 
scriptural truths coming out this morning. That's awesome. Amen. Before we get into our little words this morning, is anyone else? Is there another one? Is there a final testimony this morning? Who's been encouraged by what's been shared this morning? Jesus is so good. Amen? So good. I just want to share with you, because we're going through the, king, through the things of the kingdom at the moment, aren't we? And I think, I think we have to con- continue to remind ourselves that the kingdom of God is a whole new way of thinking, living, serving. It's a whole new way. And I'm more convinced than ever that we, we have to understand this. And that's why there's so much mixture in the church in our nation is because we don't understand the kingdom of God. And I think we need to come to a place that we have to understand that it's a whole new way of, of thinking. It's a whole new way of living. We're not just adding God to our life, but the kingdom of God, would, Jesus becomes our life, and uh, living, the, living the kingdom life is a whole new way. I get myself in trouble sometimes in a good way for statements that I make, but I'm not apologetic for it because we have to get back to the Word of God. The kingdom of God is meant to be primary. I'm not a Tasmanian anymore. I'm not even an Australian anymore. I'm a born-again believer. I'm a son of God in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter what state you come from. It doesn't matter what nation you come from. It doesn't even matter, you know, your background. It doesn't matter your circumstances of your family. It doesn't even matter what your skin color is because, we're all, because we've all been born again. And the kingdom of God is the answer to division in our nation. There is no other answer. Government is not the answer. People's ideas is not the answer. It is the kingdom of God. But the church has to get it before we can give the message to the world. What is the point of speaking about unity and, you know, oneness and stuff if the church is not in that place? How can we do that? That's why we need to, you know, understand the kingdom and we need to let go of some things you know, that have been hindering that we could truly be one as He and the Father are one. And once we stand in that way, that's when we can take the message of the kingdom. So I think this is a now thing, amen? Because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not. There is no half, half measure here. Well, parts of my kingdom are and parts of my kingdom aren't. No, no, no. My kingdom is not of this world. So why does the church still think the way the world does and lives the, lives the way the world does? This is not a religious thing. This is not a law thing where I'm trying to make you feel guilty and, you know, to try to live a better life. No, it's the truth that we've been born again from above. And the Word of God says, I will put a new heart in you. I will give you a new heart. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my ways. Amen? That is being sons of God. That is the message of the kingdom of God that we have a new heart and he's put his spirit in us. Is there an amen to that? It's not try harder Christianity. It's learning to live from what Jesus has done for us. But we need to get 
time with God. We do need to get into the Word. We do need to to go away into the solitary place and spend time with the Lord. Is there an amen? We do need to say, Lord, I need more of you. There's there's some things. It needs to be less of me. We talked about surrender. I want to just spend a moment just looking at humility. Is that okay? I believe we're going to see greater things in all kinds of ways. I believe that. And for those that are open to that, we've been undergoing heart preparation. The stuff that's been happening in and around us is all about heart preparation. His kingdom come, His will be done is not just a prayer that we speak out. It's not just a prayer that we say by rote, but it actually starts right here. His kingdom come and His will be done. That is, part, that is one of the reasons why the kingdom of God is within us. Because the King Jesus reigns. Amen. I want to just take a couple of minutes to look at the Beatitudes. Well, actually, we're not going to go through the whole thing. We could be here for a bit longer than maybe you want to listen to me for. But you listen to the Sermon on the Mount starting in Matthew 5. There is so much kingdom truth in this. And I don't think we understand the power of humility. We think of humility and we think of the word, you know, meek or meekness. The meek shall inherit the earth. There is no weakness in meekness. There is not 1% of weakness in meekness. It is so powerful. And Jesus demonstrated it. Amen? So we just read from verse 3. Blessed. And when we read blessed, what do we think of? What comes to mind when we hear the word blessed? Happy? Abundance? Born again, joy, peace, all kinds of things. Blessed means to be spiritually prosperous. When you say, I bless you, you're not just going, oh, bless your guy, bless your mate. We're actually saying, guy, my prayer is that you would be spiritually prosperous in every way and in everything. Amen? Blessed. So we just go, oh, yeah, blessed. Wow, spiritually prosperous. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think when we read stuff in English sometimes, we go, oh, poor in spirit. Oh, woe is me. Like, we're talking about people who are not spiritually arrogant. And remember, we don't conflict confidence with arrogance. I think if Paul, I think if the Apostle Paul was in the church today, people would call him arrogant. But you know, he wasn't arrogant. He was confident. He was confident in Jesus. He was confident in what God said and God did. And people see that as arrogance. It is not arrogance. It's arrogance if it's look at me. It's confidence is if it's look at, I'm confident in what God said and what God can do. Amen. Humility 
insignificant. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that see themselves as insignificant. Not in a bad way, but in a positive way. In that it's not about me. I am insignificant. It is about Him. It changes the way that we relate with one another when we are the poor in spirit. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, you know, we think about mourn and we probably think about losing loved ones. But it's not about that. It's actually about I'm mourning over the fact that I have been a sinner. And I am repenting. Deep repentance, as Pariah said. That is the mourning that is Jesus is speaking about here. You know, blessed are those who mourn. Those that are going, I am a sinner. I am a sinner of sinners. And I need Jesus. I am saved by grace and grace alone. That's Remember, remember last week I was talking about one of the dangers we have to watch out for is when we find ourselves in sin and we have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. We realize that we've got a hard heart and that is a dangerous place to be, to have a hard heart. We are one step away from falling away. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's grace in this. Blessed are the humble, the meek, the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be in right standing, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, those with integrity and true character, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, that is doing what is right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are blessed when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice. Because your reward is great in heaven. And Jesus goes on to say, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Amen. This is all tied into the same teaching. It's not something separate. We, we read through just those few verses and we see things. We see meekness. We see humility. We see mercy. We see mourning for repentance. It's not stuff that gets talked about in the church, but there's so much power in it. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are sons of God. They will inherit the earth. Do we see the correlation here? Meekness is not weakness. It's actually strength. It's strength. Here's a good one. When someone speaks bad of you, persecutes you, falsely accuses you, what do we tend to do? We would maybe get offended. Would we retaliate? Anyone ever retaliated before? Okay, we've got some honest people here today. 
Sorry, I shouldn't sign it that way. Sorry. Do you try and get your voice heard? Have we ever done that? Justify? I was thinking about Jesus during the week. It's good to think about Jesus, isn't it? And I thought about Jesus, and I read the verse of Scripture, or the the Spirit of God reminded me, and then I opened it again. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he uttered not a word. And I went, Mal, oh man. He uttered not a word. He didn't defend himself. He didn't justify himself. He didn't retaliate. He uttered not a word. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It starts to come alive when you start to consider these things, doesn't it? Jesus, he uttered not a word. He was so trusting. We've heard heard about trust today. He was so trusting in the Father and, 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 and everything who he was in the Father. He was so trusting. He did not need to retaliate or defend himself or justify himself in any way. And then we think of verses like in Luke 22 when the disciples are arguing over who of them is going to be the greatest. And Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I had a vision during the week, and to be honest, I'm still wondering whether it's something we need to do or whether it's just just a prophetic vision. I haven't got the answer yet, but I saw in the Spirit I saw tubs of water out here, out here. Oh, I saw them out here. And I saw us washing each other's feet. Anyone that's spoken something against you, anyone you have an issue with, Anyone you still not, haven't truly forgiven, wash their feet. And you'll see what the Lord does in you. I'm still trying to figure out before God if we should do that. Someone just said yes. (laughs) Jesus said... I came not to serve, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for everybody. So with that in mind, I want to close this, this, this thought today about humility with a couple of verses of Scripture. In view of what we've just heard, in view of what we've just read, Paul says this, 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. What does that look like? Consider others as more important than yourself. That's the way Jesus lived. Even when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He considered others as more important than himself. Amen. Everyone should, not, should look not only out for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he gets straight to the chase. He says, adopt the same attitude of Christ. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Adopt the same attitude of Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. The most public, humiliating death that you could experience. And for this very reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But where did that exaltation start? It started by emptying himself and becoming nothing and being a servant to all. When we have that kind of heart, God can entrust you with anything. And the reason that, we, that, that we're not yet seeing some of the things is because I think God is still saying to us, myself included, there's a few thorns that I need to pull out. The low position of the heart is... It's not duty, it's not law, it's a response to everything that Jesus has done for us. Amen. It is a response to everything that Jesus has done for us. Paul actually went on to talk about Timothy. He was modeling what, what, what Paul was saying. He said in verse 22 of, of the same chapter, chapter, chapter um, 2, I hope to send um, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Timothy was following the way of Christ. It wasn't about Timothy. It was about his servant heart. All who seek their own interests are not of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character. That's really important, isn't it? Proven character. Proven. It takes time to prove something, doesn't it? In the natural and in the spiritual, it takes time to prove something. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. My prayer as we lift Jesus high, that we would not be shaped by the culture of this world. 
but by Christ and the kingdom of God. Let's take that low position. There are people amongst us that are doing things that you do not know about in a good way. I was reminded of a story that I heard from Wayne Cordero. The music team want to come forward. When he was a guy that was leading a church of 20,000 people in Hawaii and they had multiple gatherings a day because they only had a place that could fit 5,000. So they had multiple times a day. And his wife was ill. And he was driving from home to where they were and then back again in, in between to check that she was okay. And every time he was driving down the road, he saw this big garbage pile. You know, people had just dumped their bottles, their beer bottles, their wine bottles from some party or whatever. It had just spilled out and they just left it there. And every time he drove past it, he said, Oh, Lord, send someone to pick that stuff up. That looks horrible. And then as he drove back at the third, past it the second or the third time, the Lord says, Why don't you do it? And here he was in his Sunday best. Stopped on the side of the road, picking up beer bottles, wine bottles, rubbish. The very next week, someone came to the fellowship that he was the senior pastor of. This whole family came down the front at the altar call, and they all gave their lives to Christ. And the story came that the husband, the family lived just across the road from where that rubbish was. And he said, I saw what you did. And he said, if you would do that for our city, He saw the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the love of God. Someone in their Sunday best picking up someone else's beer bottles. And it was enough to see a whole family come to Jesus. Meekness is not weakness, it is strength. Let's not be shaped by the culture of this world around us, but let us be shaped by Jesus, who was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He uttered not a word. Let's be a people that walk in humility and see the love of God in action in ways that we have not even seen yet. Is there an amen? We can love this city into the kingdom of God. We can serve this city into the kingdom of God. Every single one of us has a part to play. Amen. Let's exalt Jesus. We'll do Alpha and Omega. Let's exalt Him. As we exalt Him, everything else comes into perspective, doesn't it?
If you need prayer today, if you don't know Jesus today, today is a great day to know Jesus. We've heard the Word of God. We've heard testimonies about what Jesus is doing in people's lives, and that's, and that's just a few. We want to exalt Him because He deserves all the glory. Amen. All the glory. All the glory. All the praise. It all belongs to Jesus. Surrender anything. It's a great time.